BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a soft place to play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Dominate the way you're playing against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Hear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, the gauntlet has been survived. Alabama is 8-0 heading into the bye. That sounds pretty good, huh? Man, it does. And, you know, this is a great time for a bye. Uh, this is this is the perfect time to for, for the team to be able to get healthy, um, figure some things out due to some significant injuries, um, or due to a, a significant injury and uh, get healthy for the stretch run. Yeah, absolutely. And Saturday was a big game. Uh, you know, I think Texas A&M was, I, you know, I put them in the category of as, as certainly one of the better teams that we've played. I think they're balanced. I think they've got a lot of talent up and down their roster, maybe not as deep and maybe a little thin in, in some positions. But, you know, 6-0 and in the SEC, they've had a tough uh, schedule so far. And they were coming off a bye. They had a lot of ingredients to really give us some fits. And they actually played a game. You know, we had some field goals that we missed earlier. They tightened up, uh, you know, inside the 20s and really put us in a position. They came back and, you know, coming out of half, scored a touchdown to take the lead, really put us in a position that uh, that we've lost games like that before. So it was good to see the team kind of rebound. So, Kick us on off. Kick us off on offense. Uh, you know what did you see? What really stood out to you? You know this was this was an interesting opponent from the standpoint of you know they they came at us with the you know with a more of a nickel formation. Uh, they were they were kind of you know pressing uh, pressing Jalen to to pass the ball early. Uh, we were trying to establish the run. Um, you know I, I think early on. Um, you know, as you as you said in the stadium, I mean, we, we left some we left some points on the board to start the you know to start the game. Um, you know, those, those first couple drives that occurred, you know, we had all the momentum. Um, we were we were mixing it up as far as as far as a little pass and mainly controlling the line of scrimmage. And um, I didn't like the play calling when we got into the red zone. And so, you know, not being overly critical, but as you said, this was a great this this was the best opponent they've played all year, and leaving those eight points on the board uh, could have been the difference in the game. 
And so, you know, when we got to first and goal at the 10 to start the game, um, Jalen just misread uh, his read option and he should have handed the ball off to Jacobs. Jacobs had a hole straight over the left guard, would have walked into the end zone. Uh, Instead, he went outside and got tackled for a loss. Right. Mm -hmm. And. And, and, and so so my point is, is that with that read option, you, you know, it's 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 like a crapshoot. Right. If the quarterback guesses right in that in that split second, it looks like a great play. And if he guesses wrong, you know, it typically can backfire. And, and um, I think it really costs them in the red zone those first two drives. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think now Jalen has run the, the read option very, very well. And, and I think he has a certainly a skill for it. But, you know, A&M defense, you know, A&M's defense, they came to play too, and, and they they keyed on that, especially in the red zone. And so we talked about last week there, they're ranked number 98 in uh, on defense, but uh, inside the 20 or inside the red zone, they were ranked significantly higher. And part of that's going to be a function of a shorter field. There's less field to defend. And part of it is, you know, they, they're a bend but don't break style of defense. And, and we definitely saw that. There were times inside – uh, the red zone, I would, and and you could almost hear the the crowd calling for it. And certainly in our section, there were people that were. But you know, where's the power running game? Where's the Brandon Green? Where's the you know the extra tight ends? Where's the beef? Where's the Mac at you know Mac Wilson at uh, at a linebacker or uh, the fullback position? And let's just line up and just and and go four downs and just and just beat them. And you know, we have that happen a, a couple times, and and we have to kick field goals and. And, you know, by the time we get just really exasperated about it, we do actually throw a pass for a touchdown. And you think, well, you know, a stop clock is right twice a day, you know. So, of course, we're going to hit that sometime. But it would have been really nice to to be up 21 to nothing as opposed to 13 to nothing. And and we saw how that, that kind of flipped, right? They got a touchdown uh, going into half. And then coming out of half, they got another touchdown. And, you know, we're sitting there a couple minutes into, into the third quarter, and they've actually got the lead. Uh, and we've seen teams kind of unravel in, in that position before. Fortunately, this team has a little mustard. Then, you know, they didn't allow that to happen. But it's it's the formula. It's the formula that that uh, was was there. And if we had punched a couple of those in, and if we had been up twenty one to nothing, uh, then then maybe we would have robbed them of some momentum. Uh, you know, there at half. No, absolutely. And and Saban talked after the game about how they were going to attack you know, running their read option um, with the defensive ends being as talented as they were, that they were not going to leave the defensive end open to read the quarterback because they had seen in film study that those those defensive ends were going to, you know, that, that Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall were going to go hard in the backfield at the quarterback. And so they made the decision in their blocking scheme and their adjustments, you know, prior to the kickoff, that they were going to block those guys and they were going to leave uh, one of the inside defensive tackles uncovered. And they were going to let that tackle uh, be the uncovered man to read the quarterback because they would be used to getting blocked. And so sure enough, when, you know, Saban even showed in his post game show, he showed some of the, the uh, play in particular, or one of, uh, one of Damien's big runs where the defensive tackle didn't know what hit him. He was kind of just sitting there at the line of scrimmage, like waiting to be blocked and was kind of in no man's land and kind of blocked himself by just standing there. Right. And, um, and so they, they, they did make adjustments 
coming into the game of how they were going to attack these talented defensive ends, um, which was a good thing. They had lots of success early running the ball. Uh, but, you know, just like you said, on that opening drive especially, you know, you're sitting there just rattling off yards one after another, you know, play after play. And um, it just seems like, you know, they're – it just seems like the play calling changes in the red zone. And this is not the first game this has happened. We have not seen a game this year that I can recall where we just just kept pounding, kept pounding, kept pounding. The only time we keep pounding a team is when we're trying to take the air out of the ball. And sometimes, right. like you said, I'd just like to see that a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's it's almost – and it's a little bit counterintuitive, and you can say, well, yeah, that's good play calling. And, and I wouldn't necessarily argue with that. But, you know, sometimes when you run the ball all the way down the field, then – you might as well just, you know, kind of dance with who brung you, right? And let's and let's just let's bring in an extra, you know, an extra lineman, and let's just continue to run the ball because if we can march them down the field when they kind of know that we're going to run, then even even with the shorter field, even with the defense sort of stacked up, we should still have some level of of success. And so when we get, you know, first and goal at the five, you know, look here's here's the play with two variants that we're going to run for the next four, you know, the next four plays. And, and just go with it. And, you know, you take a kid like, um, you know, I really like Damian Harris. I really like his emergence this year. You know, he was 18 carries for a, for a buck 30, you know, 6.9 yard average. I mean, he's got a lot of vision. I got a lot of balance, but I can, I can tell you the headline for next fall camp is going to be, you know, Damian is showing a little more burst because he's dropped about seven pounds and, and uh, he, he gets caught from behind. Uh, and, and I think it was the first, field goal that Alabama scored, uh, you know, he had broken into the secondary and with a move and uh, with a little burst of speed, he would have gone and he would have scored pretty easily. Uh, but, you know, but he was caught and, 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 you know, we've seen that almost every week uh, going back even to the USC game where he's been caught from behind. And so I, I, I'm half kidding and I'm half serious, you know, that's, that's kind of predicting a headline for next fall campus. You know he's looking faster because he's dropped a couple pounds and and uh, you know I, I kind of you know the only thing I like better than a fifty yard run is a fifty yard run that ends in a touchdown and and uh, you know that's kind of what what I'd like to see more from Damian but you know I like what he's given us I want to be careful I I do like what he's given us there's just a little bit more there well there is but not only would you like to see Brandon Green like you said but you know if Alphonse Taylor wasn't going to start and you were going to play Cotton even bring him in. Um, with Brandon Green, right, as an extra lineman, and then bring in Bo Scarborough. I, I, I guess what we're saying here is show your hand at the 10-yard line and say you haven't stopped us with four wide receivers or three wide receivers and O.J. Howard going down the field. Then how are you going to stop us with a fullback and two more tight ends? Yeah. And I think they're going to need that sometime this year. I think they've just gotten away with not having to do it so far. Yeah, and we've situationally done it, uh, especially bringing Mac in at, at the at the fullback. We've situationally done that, but I would like to see that more of a sort of pronounced package. And then I like the things that you can do off of that. You know, when we had Justin, uh, when Justin Fowler was was lined up back there, I mean, he was good for a touchdown every couple of weeks on, on a little flare pass, and so. You know, you can run up and be physical, and then you can still do some passing things off of that. Uh, it's just you're using sort of the elephant personnel, and 
And I think that's I think that's where we're both saying we'd like to see a little more of that. I don't mind us going down there and doing different things also, but let's let that be the exception and not the rule. It's almost the elephant package is the exception. And if we just inverted that a little bit, it just seems like, you know, old guys like you and me would be more comfortable with that. No, absolutely. What what else jumped out at you on offense? Did you know um I, I saw where Jalen Hurts finished with 21 rushes on the day, uh, definitely more than I would have liked. Uh, Bo only had eight carries on the day. Uh, this seems one of those games where they put a little bit too much on on Hurts's shoulders um, for my liking. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go next. You know, he was 15 of 25, and so those numbers, not, you know, it's a lower passing total. Um, you'd like to see him complete a few more of those. There are a couple that he threw away. There are a couple he just missed the receiver. And so really, really like to see him improve his down-the-field passing. And 21, 21 carries, that's that's too many. And you could, you know, you could break those down and say, well, not all of those were true carries. Some of those were he just he got, you know, came back to pass or stepped back to pass, but but had to had to had to run. But that's sort of that's excuses. 21 carries, however you slice it, is too many. And, and especially running the zone read, there were quite a number of those that were intentional runs. That's that's more than what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that dialed back, especially when you say Josh had, had only 10 and Bo had only eight carries. I'd like to see that distribution amongst those guys. You know, let's take maybe eight carries away from Jalen and let's split those between a Josh and a Bo and, and see what we get there. What, what did you think about the receiver distribution? I was surprised, you know, obviously he had had several catches and didn't have many yards to speak of, only, you know, 69 yards. Were you surprised? You know, I know there was I know there was attempts made, several attempts made Ridley's way. Uh, there wasn't nearly as many balls thrown toward our Darius Stewart. Are you surprised that that O.J. Howard finished with so many catches on the day? Not so much. And I think it's a little bit of, of the matchup and, you know, I've got a buddy of mine that's uh, that's an A&M graduate, and, and so we were talking some ball last week, and he said, right, and he he said, whoever your tight end is, he's going to have a big day. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I probably need to need to take a look at that. And uh, and then we started using Howard in 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 some pretty unique ways. I mean, we did sort of an inside shuffle with him. We did you know some short passes with him. We didn't necessarily work him down the field like we did if you think of like a Clemson game. But uh, we we definitely incorporated him, him into the offense, uh, taking advantage advantage of some mismatches. You know, like you said, we went to Ridley, but we just missed on him a couple of times. Uh, that's frustrating. And then our Darius, it's almost like we just you know our you know our Darius has a little we more. We have forgotten who he is, right? It's almost like we forgot who he is after he came back from the injury. Yeah. Right, and but he almost has like a like a little street ball in him, and so we threw the ball up, and uh, and our Darius just said, "Well, it's mine. I'm going to go get it." And so he had a nice big play, um, and I think that's the drive we missed a field goal, and so that didn't really capitalize for us. But but um, yeah, he he just he plays he plays with a little more aggression, and so where it was a little bit misthrown, he was able to to make a play for it. Uh, Ridley was just overthrown, and so I'm, I'm not saying Ridley wouldn't have made an effort for it. Those balls uh, to Ridley were just were just overthrown, and, and overthrown quite significantly because you know he was open, he had beaten the coverage, and and so you know Yeta Yeta just assume that they're easy touchdowns, but he catches a couple of those in strides, and um, 
you know, there's at least one I know he just he runs right in, and there's one that probably probably he's tackled, but man, it puts us in good field position. What did you What did you think about um, not seeing Alphonse Taylor at all? Um, I, I think Lester Cotton had a good game. I'm just surprised that we we haven't seen Taylor out there at all for the last two games, especially yeah. this game versus last game. Yeah, I th- you know, there's there's I think there's two ways to look at it, and the, the I think you've got to give the nod to the concussion protocol, and so we didn't see him get sort of targeted and hit, and so we don't know exactly what it was and and he's out and he's in the protocol and you know I sort of respect the coaches are sort of hands off on that and I completely understand that there's room and so here here's where I want to be careful there's room to also say he's been beat he's been beat out um you know definitely that was something going into fall camp it was something coming out of fall camp that coach had concerned about his weight and so I'm not I'm not saying that that's what it is. I'm just saying you can see that, hey, you're in the concussion protocol. That's a very serious thing. We're going to take that serious. But, oh, by the way, the guy that subbed subbed for you, um, you know, when you were already sort of on shaky ground, uh, uh, Lester Cotton's playing very, very well, and that's going to make it harder for you to come back even when you're you're cleared. I'm not – suggesting that I'm just saying there's there's enough room there for there to be a couple of narratives going on no that's fair um what else what else jumped out at you on offense um as far as just how they approached the the Texas A&M defense you know it was a little wonky the halftime clock, uh, clock management and and again it's it's a situation where it seemed like the coaching staff was trying to do a little bit of everything you know on on the first down I can't remember exactly what the what the the time was it's a minute, just over a minute, uh, whatever it was. But you know, Alabama ran the ball there, and so okay, you know, we, and you and I even said, what are we, what are we going to do here? Um, and so we ran the ball, and and you and I, you know, we said, well, you know, it looks like they're just going to go into halftime. But then, but then they started passing the ball and, and moving. Well, then they the called ball. a timeout right after yeah, that. Yeah, they called a timeout really and and trying to move the ball and trying to demonstrate some tempo. And so it's like, well, those. Those two things don't go together. Why? Why did we burn all of those seconds kind of on the front end? And you think, well, are we trying to burn some seconds so that they didn't get the ball back? But then, you know, here we are trying to rush and and really could have used another play or two. I think we had five seconds, and so you think, well, is that enough time to run a play, or is it? You know, you wish it were eight seconds, right? And so sitting there at five seconds, then we're going to try a fifty-two yard field goal. And, you know, there's a penalty and it hits the upright. And so it's a miss, but doesn't really count. And they back us up. And then it, 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 the whole thing was there kind of kludgy. And then, and then it was like, we're going to go for it uh, with some fake formation. And so it, it's like there was almost a desperation for points, but us not knowing how to get them. It's almost like we were drowning in, in a little bit in ineptitude. And, you know, as tight of a ship as, as saving runs, it just seems like sometimes it's a little sloppy and, and that's, you know, at those points in the game, at those points, uh, and it's typically half because, you know, we win a lot of games, but going into half, what do we do in that sort of minute and a half type situation? We just seem to struggle with that. It just seems sloppy and it's been that way a couple times this season and you think, God, that, that should be something we should run a tighter ship around. No, absolutely. Um I was surprised. I don't have the exact distribution between 
uh, left, right, and middle. But considering we have Cotton in there to go beside a true freshman, and considering we have a you know new center in Bozeman, our only two returning starters right now are on the left side of the ball. Yep. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it's a good problem to have, but um, we seem to have, we continue to have way more success running to the right than we do to the left. And um, I, I just wanted to mention that real quick before we flip the field that that um, it's very surprising uh, how much we run to the to the right. We we pull Pierce Bocker a little bit, but we don't pull him a lot. Um, we tend to use OJ as we we're tending to use OJ Howard um, along with the wide receivers in um, crack back blocking situations. And so it's like we're lining up the wide receivers and OJ in a certain way to get them the best angle against a linebacker that they are 20 pounds lighter than that just gets in front of them enough to, you know, to buy time for the running back. And so I find it very interesting how much we're staying in that three wide receiver, one tight end formation, but yet we're running a lot out of it and we're having success because we have really good blocking wide receivers. But I think there's been a lot of deliberate attempts to line them up in certain ways that maximizes their blocking efficiency. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree. I think we're scheming, we're sort of game planning and forma- formationing some of that, if you will. Uh, but we need to be careful about that. And, and this is an opportunity, hopefully, in this this off week with whatever the sort of the massive, you know, coaching assistant sort of staff that we have, is that uh, we need to do some self-scouting on that. There was, uh, you know, maybe later in the third quarter, fourth quarter, uh, sort of a critical third down, and you know we did the the the, the run to to the right, and you know A and M just absolutely sniffed it out, and you know we had to punt the ball and and uh, and give the ball away, and you know there's a situation where clearly we should have given the ball to to the running back, uh, but we chose not to, and they completely had that sniffed out. I think we're going to have to do some self scouting on uh, on that. Um, what else on offense did you see? You know, I, I guess I want to give a little, uh, you know, shout to to Jalen Hurts is on on his touchdown play, um, purely using his legs and and his instincts. Um, you kind of said it during the game how he was kind of, you know, setting up the defenders um, to you know to not take the proper angles on him on on the guy in the middle of the field as as well as the cornerback, and um, that's what he brings to the table right now. You know, he's going to complete, you know, he's going to complete intermediate to long passes every now and then. Um, But this team is getting their explosive plays from the running game. They are not getting their explosive plays from the passing game consistently by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, between him and the running backs, I mean, once again, you had 57 carries for 327 yards. I mean, you know, five yards a carry, over 300 yards rushing. Um, but on that play, uh, you you showed why he probably won the starting starting quarterback job because, you know, him and Blake Barnett were probably equally in the same realm passing the ball. Um, but Blake couldn't have made that that play with with you know he had he had scrambling ability, but he could not have made that play that that Hurts made there. 
Yeah, and that was just such a dynamic play. And, and you look at it, and, and you and I, you know, talked about it sort of right after it unfolded and watching the the film back. That was that was an impressive, you know, just athletic uh, play that uh, that he made there. And that is something that you think of the quarterback doing that. That's something that we've struggled to defend, and and we've not necessarily had it to offer uh, as an offensive weapon. So that's certainly uh, certainly something to enjoy. And you know, and I'll say this, kind of along those lines. Because Jalen brings that to the table, he does not have to be a world-class passer of the ball. But if he can, if he could have hit one of those deep throws, I mean, he only needs to incrementally improve for it to have a, a more significant impact to the flow of the offense. I mean, if he if if he hits one of those long passes to to uh, Ridley in stride and it goes for a touchdown. Then that has a ripple effect across how we're defended, and that opens up more running lanes for him and more running lanes, you know, for everyone. He doesn't have to go out and be a seventy-five percent passer. He just needs to be a little bit better at those at those long balls, and and, and the returns will be two for one. No, absolutely. Hey, one other thing I want to mention real quick is you know how in years past we've always had the two-headed monster at running back and we've always been able to script when the backup's going to come in the game. And, right. you know, there was, there was one particular uh, series here in the fourth quarter um, with about 10 minutes left in the game. Um, we started at the 40 yard line and first play of scrimmage, Josh Jacobs runs the ball. The third play, Damian Harris runs the ball. The very next play, Bo Scarborough runs the ball. And that's, that's, that's a new thing for Alabama. You know, he, he, he definitely, you know, You've mentioned on these podcasts before about, you know, kind of pull them out of a hat as far as who's going to carry the ball. But they are they are becoming more and more uh, comfortable in using these guys. They're not predicting whether it's going to be a pass or a run based on what running back comes into the game. Like there was a play early in the game you know, near the goal line where Josh Jacobs was in. He totally whiffed on the, the block. Jalen had to scramble to the left and throw the ball away, and it set up a third and goal at the 11. And that was just a horrible block by Jacobs. But yet he was in on that play. And so I, I think I think defenses aren't able to key as much on what they're going to do based on what running backs in the game because they're they're playing three different running backs sometimes on the same series. Yeah, and that's that is a trend that, you know, and we we spotted this when we talked about it early in the season where it looked like Damian was the one that we would bring in in passing situations. And it was telegraphed a little bit. And so we've evolved even just little by little, you know, that's another demonstration of this team improving as the season progresses because we telegraphed that much less uh, Saturday as we did, you know, early part of September. No, absolutely. And just going back to my to my offensive line for a second, just to punctuate that a little more, I guess what I, I meant to say earlier is the fact that we are running the ball at the predominant times to the right, when that is where our experience is not, is very interesting. That that we're we're, we're not kind of running behind our two our two returning offensive linemen as much as we are um, you know, our uh, our newer guys. Right. And so that's that's kind of an interesting thing. Who yeah, uh, a little bit of that is going to be, you know, when you're running the zone read and the quarterback's running it so often, you know, he's right-handed, and so literally, you know, that's that's the direction that that he's going to have line of sight to. 
and so uh, that's that's part of it. But uh, yeah, it is interesting. It also speaks to uh, just the progression of you know not only Cotton but Jonah uh, at the tackle spot. You know, it it feels almost funny to still call him a freshman because the way he's performed out there has been anything but. Well, and I don't think you can. I don't think you know before we before we flip the field. I don't think we can really uh, put you know. I don't think we can underscore the fact that a true freshman went against a fifth-year senior in Deshaun Hall, who is a very good player, who came into the game with 18 career sacks in his career, and um, he he really he he his name didn't get called a lot, and uh, and he went against a true freshman. So I, I think that says a lot. Yeah, I would say that's impressive. Give me your mini game balls on offense. Man, um, you know there was a, there was a couple guys that that I was thinking of going to, um, but you always tell me that you know I kind of don't follow the rules as far as as far as how this goes. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Lester Cotton, um, even though he's a, a starting guy right now. You know this guy is has has kind of you know taking advantage of next man up opportunity for whatever is going on with Taylor. And um, kind of like we've talked about in, in years past and, and how we've talked about with Jonah Williams, um, the right side of the offensive line for the most part was pretty ho-hum boring. And um, that's a lot when you have a, uh, a true freshman and a uh, sophomore over there. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's funny you're trying to call me out on the mini game ball, and, and it's, it's, for, um, it's for little contributions that go sort of unheralded, even if – they're heralded players. And so on Jalen's run, I really like the selflessness of Calvin and Ardarius out there blocking. Clearly they're frontline guys. Uh, and everyone wants to watch, you know, them make big plays in the receiving game, but their unselfishness and blocking for Jalen, uh, coupled with his sort of dynamic abilities with the ball, that was a fun touchdown run to to watch. No, absolutely. We'll we'll flip the field to to defense. I think there's a a big thing we have to start with here, right? Well, start us off. Well, man, we we probably could have started the show with this, man. I, I wanted to give you the opportunity, but if you're not going to take it, um, I, I wanted you to I wanted you to at least have the opportunity to say I you know can't say I didn't offer. Um, you know, I think we have to start with with Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Eddie Jackson is a player that we have spent a lot of time with on the show over the past several years. And, you know, we have seen what it means when he has been out of the game here at the beginning of the season for, you know, banged up a little bit. And, and now they've got to go forward without this guy. And um, not only is he the signal caller in the back half of the defense, um, but his run support. Uh, his ability to be able to line up against a tight end as well as line up in the slot, as well as line up on the outside against receivers. Um, not to mention what he brings to the special teams, you know, game. Um, just, I, I think it's a big loss. I, I think, you know, can this team overcome it? Yes, this team is probably one of the few teams in the country that can overcome it, um, but they won't overcome it uh It'll still be felt. It's a it's a big loss that I don't think it can all be made up. No, it really can't. And you know, I almost feel like I want to have a moment of silence for you know Eddie Jackson's you know Alabama career. You know, I go back to you know his first start, and I think it was the Ole Miss game. Uh, you know, with Bo Wallace, and you know when we beat him twenty five to nothing, I think that was his his first start. And 
<clears throat> maybe it, it seems like it was that game. Maybe it was another game, but but I remember you know his first start. He got beat. He got beat on a long pass, but he intercepted a ball and he pat had a pass breakup and he made you know a number of tackles. And and you and I commented if we could go back and find that show that 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 uh, it was like he got a season's worth of experience in one game, and that it was going to be fun to sort of watch him you know grow and develop in his career and. You know, and and you and I have had a number of guys that we've said that kind of over the over the years. We've been doing this a while now. And so the guys that we, you know, kind of, hey, this guy's going to be something special. And and, you know, here Eddie Jackson was was one of them. And, you know, his sophomore year wasn't quite as good. And he was coming back from injury and and, and battling back. But still, he had some key moments. And I think about his junior year. I think about, you know, we were sitting in in Dallas, you know, kicking off the season against Wisconsin. And one of the things that you and I both were very bullish on at the beginning of that season was him moving to safety. And so we had three corner, three legitimate corners uh, on the field. And in fact, if you think about a dime, uh, the nickel package with Minka, who had not yet sort of blossomed yet. But we thought, man, we, we've got four cornerbacks on the field and a lot of guys sort of in new positions and sort of. But that's something that we were so excited about. And, and people talked, you know, we in, in that game said, Oh, it's the old secondary again. They're no good. And we said, people, you need to you need to think about this because we've got four cornerbacks. A lot of people sort of learn in new positions. This is a this represents an evolution in the Saban, you know, Kirby Smart secondary. And and you know, I kind of put in the person of Eddie, you know, and and we saw that all of last season and obviously went on to to win a national title. And and we were seeing it through this season. He came back when you know, he, he didn't necessarily need to. He would have been a high-round draft pick. And so he came back and was clearly a leader on this defense. You could see him watch and align and position people and, uh, and, and of course, making his own plays. And so to see him go out that way, um, you know, I guess, you know, his career went out on its shield. You know, I don't want to be more dramatic than it is, but but for a little bit, it, it, it is a it is kind of a big moment you know he was the nation's leading you know depending upon which stat you look like he was a nation uh the nation's leading punt returner and he's only been part returning punts here just for a few weeks and uh and then of course he was an all-america candidate at the at the safety position so it's going to be interesting you know we saw uh tony brown come in we're going to see some some ronnie increased uh his contribution we're going to see some hootie uh, there's a part of me that says, gosh, I'm glad we've got a bye week to sort of figure this out because it's not a one-for-one one sort of rotate the next guy in because Eddie did so many things in the secondary and the way we sort of piecemeal roles, there's not one guy that can come in and do it. So we need to figure out how do we solve for that when we can't bring three guys out there for every play, right? And who does that sound like? Who does it sound like to me? Yeah, what player, no, what player in, in the past have we talked about that same way? Well, I I want to say maybe a Landon Collins. Well, I was going to say Michael Williams on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. Okay. And 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 how many different things he did for us offensively. Yeah. Yeah. I, I take nothing away from Landon Collins, but I don't think he provided nearly the versatility that 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 Eddie Jackson did for this team. Yeah. Um, he 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 did not have the ability to play in the box and play center field the way Eddie did. Um, Eddie was a true cornerback who was playing in a safety's role and had had gotten his head in the playbook and, you know, knew the playbook inside and out, you know, in his time in Alabama. 
And and the other thing I think that's huge here too is we talked a couple weeks ago. You know, we criticized Eddie a couple weeks ago on a play where you know literally Saban was all pissed because Arkansas had scored a touchdown. Yep. And, and you know the coaches on the sideline, you could read their voices saying, "Well, I don't know what Eddie called." Well, I started to say at the start of this show that the, when I said the bye week came as a good time, I started that to be the reason why, of all reasons. Sure. Because, because in, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm glad to hear it's, you know, he's going to be able to recover and, and, and go on with, with his professional career, which, sure. which I think he will have. Um, but, you know, are, are we going to feel this against Mississippi State and LSU? No. Are we going to feel this against Auburn? Yes. 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 Because, because, because they had put more responsibilities on Eddie Jackson to 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 adjust on the fly so they wouldn't have to relay plays from the sideline. Well now are you gonna put that on Ronnie Harrison? No, I don't think so. Are you gonna put that on the younger uh on the younger backups? Uh you know, Thompson? No, I don't think so. And I don't think you're gonna put that on, on Jones either. And so and so I think it's going to adjust the whole way uh that the defense uh calls their alignments. And and I'm absolutely thrilled that they have two weeks to work on this because they need more they need more time than that. I think it's going to be interesting to see how we feel that position over the course of, of games. It's easy to say, well, I mean, you rotate him out, and and Saturday, you know, when he left, we brought in Tony Brown. And so you rotate Tony Brown into that position, and and it's sort of a plug-and-play. Well, it was a plug-and-play on Saturday because it had to be a plug-and-play on Saturday. But here we've got two weeks to kind of figure it out and think about what's the best way to solve for this over the long term. Is it to just bring in Tony Brown and sort of he fills the, the Eddie role? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Is it Deontay Thompson filling that role because he's going to have – uh, you know, a certain amount of uh, athleticism in, in that position. And is he better a, a better a long-term fit? I don't know. Is it putting Minka in that position and backfilling Minka's position at, at the star? Well, I don't know. And it might be a little bit of all three of those. It might be, you know, it might just be one. I don't know. But that's something that's going to be quite interesting to watch. How do we fill that position? And not just – oh, the first defensive series of, of the next game, but how does it change series to series and game to game? Because I think we're going to see multiple solutions to that next, you know, sort of next week against, or, the, you know, the week following against LSU. And then we're liable to see even more variation of that, you know, especially when you get into someone like an Auburn. No, absolutely. And, and what's interesting about all those different combinations is – Jones and Ronnie Harrison have a similar body makeup. Okay. Um, you know, 216 pounds, uh, six foot three, and Hootie Jones is 6'2, 214. Well, what was interesting about Eddie is Eddie could lay the hit, lay the wood, but he was six foot 194 pounds. And that's why a lot of times you would see Ronnie down in the box, right, next to uh, Reuben Foster, and Eddie was playing center field a lot of the times, or he was on the slot guy 
but he wasn't, he would come up and run support as needed, right? He would come in when he wasn't expected to come in by the offense, but he wasn't up there to, to mainly support the role, the, the run. So right. I don't think they're going to drop Ronnie uh, back in coverage because I think some teams have picked on Ronnie Harrison uh, sure. when they've done five wides. And so I'm going to tell you that if I had to take a guess here just for fun, um, I think you see Minka move to safety, and I think you see Tony Brown move to the star. Okay. Um, that that's going to be where I hang my hat. I, I don't think that I don't think Thompson is thrust into that situation um, because I don't think he's ready for it. And um, I, I I think that I think that the obvious thing would be, oh well, Hootie's next guy up. I don't know if Hootie's ready for that. Um, and so maybe in the next two weeks, Hootie Hootie might show that he is. But I think if he's not, I think Minka's the next guy up. I think Minka, um, I think Minka could weather the storm um, as needed uh, in that role. Yeah, I think that I think that nets out probably being the solution because I like Tony on the field. I like his athleticism, but I think you know he's been a backup at that star position, and so he's been more a backup there than he has been you know at Eddie's position, and so. And again, it's just how do you get, you know, so you think about the offensive line. I don't care what, how do you, I don't care who plays what position. I want the best five mix out there. Well, in the secondary, in the nickel package, it's the same thing. I almost don't care who plays where, but let's put our best, our best group out there. And our best group might be Tony at, at the star and, and, and Minka at that safety position. And, and, and that can be a really dynamic group too. I mean, that's four very fast. Uh, cornerbacks. I don't know who I'd put my money on if you put them in a race, but goodness gracious, that's that's a lot of speed in the secondary. Um, they don't bring what Eddie does, but they're you know that's going to be a faster lineup than Eddie being out there. But you know that's they're going to need that speed to make up for some of the instincts that Eddie has. No, absolutely. And you know how Saban talked about talked about in his post game about how they. Or we talked about, you know, in the stadium, in the stands, about how much we were in the dime in the first half. And Saban talked in his post game about how, you know, they were uh, in the dime in the first half and Texas A&M was starting to have some success running the ball. And they made adjustments at halftime to go to the nickel. And, and you know, that brought, that brought, uh, that brought uh, an additional big guy into the box yeah. uh, versus, you know, what they had before. Well, I want to go back to that for a second, but what I wanted to say by mentioning that is, is I think this injury uh, decreases the usage of the dime. And so I think that, you know, because Hootie was your dime guy, you'll still see him in dime packages, but I think you're going to see more Rashawn Evans as a result of this on the field. And I think that base nickel that has been our base for so long, um, I think we, I think we see a lot more of it in the games ahead. Yeah. That's an interesting conclusion because I wanted to talk about the the dime, you know, starting in the dime and then sort of converting to the nickel. And I wanted to juxtapose that with the Arkansas game when we came out in – I even hate to use the word base, but when we came out in, you know, a 4-3-4, which, again, a lot of people are going to call that uh, a base. You know, we really run a nickel, and so that's sort of the saving base. But, but, but the point is – you know, Arkansas, and we talked about this in that show, you know, Arkansas has a reputation of a run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And so 
gosh, we better just run out four DBs and really sort of crowd the box. And then they throw for 400 yards against us. And, you know, why didn't we make the adjustment to the, the nickel? Why don't we just play the nickel? We can stop the run in our nickel. We do it all the time. In this game, we almost went the other way. Uh, A&M has a, a fleet of talented receivers, and I take absolutely nothing away from them. They have a lot of talent at wide receiver. And it's almost like we overreacted in that direction and said, we've got to go out in a dime. We've got to have a dime to, to cover all these guys. And they and, and what do they do? They kind of do the opposite. They run, and they have some success. And so, fortunately, we sort of catch ourselves before you know the whole game plays out. But we say, look, we've got to come back to our nickel. We've got to come back to what we do and and run that. And then guess what? We have more success against the pass and the run when we play what we do. And so I just it seems like both Arkansas and AM, we overreacted the other way. One, we went to, you know, four DBs. Here we went to six DBs. And the answer to both of them was just stay in the nickel. And I like the way you said it in the in the Arkansas show is you know, let's force them to adjust to us rather than us adjust to them. And in both of those games, if we had just come out in our base nickel and said, look, we'll tweak if we need to, but let's just come out and do what we do. But both games, the start, especially the other game, because here we adjusted, but both games would have unfolded a, much, a little bit more to our liking had we done that. No, I agree. And I think what, you know, the defensive coaches who were, you know, listening to this show before they go to bed tonight, they need to realize the difference in what you just said is two people. You have two people on your team that others would kill to have, and that is Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. Right. And because you have those two (laughs) who can – who can transfer from a four, three to a five, two, to a dime and all still be on the field. And because they're 260 plus pounds, right. And they can run like deer stay in the damn base, right? Stay in your nickel because of those two fifth year seniors. And it's, 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 it's like they're overthinking it and they need to realize who they have on the outside of the line of scrimmage on both sides. Right. And, and it goes back to the, the, you know, sort of the rabbit nickel that, that, that I was so excited about, you know, last week, you know, even with the Ryan and the Tim, you have the opportunity to still go with a Terrell and, and Anthony or Rashad. And so, uh, you know, so there's still other guys that you can bring into those two roles. Uh, it preserves your interior and and it does what you do on the secondary. I you know I'm just bullish on that. I just think God we there, we should almost never not be in that unless it truly is you know a, a down in distance or you know I'm not saying never go to the nickel but or never go to the dime. But I'd go to the dime twice as often as I as I'd go to a um, you know a true four three. Well, and I'd be curious to see how we do that in light of you know what we kind of discussed there. Um, tell me, tell me what else jumped out at you on, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Tim Williams. I think, I think you gotta, you gotta speak to him. You know, he had two sacks that, that, uh, you know, contributed to a, a negative 27 yards. I mean, think about that for a minute. That's a lot of backup on, uh, on a couple of sacks. And so that's, that's a lot of contribution. Uh, you know, he, he really, he really played like a lethal, lethal weapon, uh, a couple of times there. Uh, you know, my AM buddy didn't like it when Williams, you know, kind of ran out and sort of pounded the the turf after his second sack. And I can I can see two sides of that. I think that's a little bit over the top 
But uh, I can absolutely imagine I would hate a player if they did that to us. <laughs> so I can see the, a little a little bit of sort of emotional tie-in, and then I can also see a little I can also see a little bit of yeah, he probably shouldn't have done that. That was probably a little bit over the top, and he'll probably. I don't think off. that's taunting or anything, man. I mean, he didn't make any gesture at the other team. You know, he didn't do the 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 hand to the throat, the slashing or whatever, right? I mean, he just went and beat on the ground for a minute. No, I understand, and it was and, and and it was sort of an emotional thing, I think, with our defense and then losing Eddie and sort of a lot. I think there was a lot kind of going on, and there was a lot of weight on our defense sort of through this this gauntlet. So I can see a little bit of release there. I mean, it's an emotional game, it's a physical game, and so I can see a little bit of it. Uh, I probably wish he hadn't have done it. And I could see where I would absolutely hate someone who did that to us. So I well, can see, I, I can kind of see the three dimension on that one. I will say that this is the first team that we have played, right? That has had uh, some, a little bit of success running the ball. Yeah. And, um, and, and we, we talked about, and so to their credit, because of us coming out in the dime, you know, Keith, Keith Ford finished with 15 attempts for 70 yards, you know, average, you know, 4.1 yards per carry, uh, which is not shabby by any means. And um, Trevor Knight contributed, you know, 74 yards as well. Um, so, you know, surprising when you look at how they, they, they game plan things that, you know, they, they attempted 31 passes and they had 38 rushing attempts. Now, granted, some of those were scrambles by Trevor Knight sure. due to pressure. I get that. But um, this is the first team that has exposed our lack of depth in the interior defensive line. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I kind of kidded, and I don't know if I was kidding or not, but, I you know, I kind of kidded, you know, last week when we were saying, you know, sort of a, uh, a preamble or introduction to, to this game. You know, I was kind of kidding that, you know, are you trying to get me to say something bad about them? And, and, uh, and, you know, because I, because I do like a lot of what A&M has. And so ironically, I predicted, you know, that a 31, 13 game. And so, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I was, I was pretty close, but I, but I, but I experienced this game and I'm left thinking, and I think you said this a couple of minutes ago that, that, this is the best team we've played all year and they're the most balanced team that we've played all year. And they brought more to the table, I think, than any other sort of single team that we've played this year. And, you know, and, and people are going to say, well, what about the Ole Miss game? Because, you know, we almost could have lost that game. And yeah, I mean, I get it. I understand, you know, we were down with 21 to nothing. And, and so I understand, I understand wanting to select that one, but you know, we've, we've seen how their season has unfolded. Uh, God, I couldn't imagine how sick I'd be if we had lost to them. But, um, but to think about this A&M team, I, I think they didn't um, have the, ba- yeah, they didn't have the balance that A&M brought. No, they, they really have a, a lot of, uh, really good coaching, really good balance. And I don't, you know, I don't know that, you know, beating them by 19 is going to make it a challenge for them to sort of get back into anything. And let's assume that we take care of the business that we need to take care of. But, I would not be surprised because they've beaten a lot of quality teams and they've beaten a lot of teams that the committee will have in their top 25. And if they went out and continue to look impressive, I, I wouldn't bet against, you know, 
hearing from them again. I, I don't I don't know that I would bet against that because I think they're going to prove themselves to be, um, you know, with some separation, the second best team in the conference. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that that's going to stay behind us. And so I, I don't know. I just really have a lot of, of respect and appreciation for the A&M team. And, and having seen them on Saturday, you know, I just kind of doubled down on that. Well, and 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 it might end up being a situation where these two teams that just played each other are clearly head and shoulders above the rest. And right. and you and you look at you look at their starting formation where they start four wides. These are really really good receivers. Yes, really good receivers. And and, and this is a team. This is a team they've got. And I'm I'm drawing a blank on on his name, but the big, the big, really big wide receiver. They have, um, you know, he's missed some time. Oh, Ricky Sills-Jones. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. And so he's a guy that, you know, think about seeing him a, a month from now when he's back at, at full speed. And, you know, Miles Garrett is, is kind of dinged up as well, and he's just got an injury. He just needs some time off. And, you know, playing every week isn't necessarily going to help him. But, you know, he's a guy that that if, if, he, if they can use him judiciously through the balance of the season, he's a guy a month from now that, that might be in a better position. And then you start to think about a, a bowl season or call it even a playoff season, you know, where they've got, you know, three weeks to sort of rest and recover. This is a team that could be a different team at that point in time. And so I'm not ruling them out. And, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that I'm going to predict that, that we're going to play them again and lose to them or anything like that. But I'm just saying this is a team that, you know, you, you think, ah, oh, we'd be in by 19. Eh. But uh, this is a team that they've got the markings of someone that can give us trouble. And if we, you know, sort of get to or have to see them again, um, you know, that could be a long day at the office. No, absolutely. And I will mention also, too, you know, just calling a spade a spade, that this is by far the best offensive line we've faced. I, I really I really feel like, you know, as Saban said in his post game, where they gave us fits, is in situations where it was five on five. Yeah. Think about that for a second. When there are five offensive linemen, each had one guy to block is when they gave us trouble. There's other teams that that wouldn't be the case. And the other thing I want to mention real quick too, is I think the biggest thing for this team, the reason Texas A&M's had so much success is because they've been able to buy their quarterback time for these talented wide receivers to get separation. And they haven't had to face a Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. And so we sat there in the stadium and you and I looked at each other on some third and longs who said, this is where Tim Williams has to shine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think it was the play like right before he got sacks or whatever. But what allowed Alabama to turn this game is they just have a couple more playmakers in Texas A&M. And they were able to get to him quicker than other teams can get to him. I think this offensive line for Texas A&M is good enough that they buy Trevor Knight enough time to get the ball to those talented wide receivers. And so when you go back and look at the stats on this game and you see that, you know, four of their top wide receiver, four of their top five receivers and catches each had one catch. Yeah. That's a big deal. No, it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be as enamored with their offensive line as, is is maybe you are. I think they've got a lot of youth, especially in the middle. And I think, I think, you know, there were times where really, we really took advantage of that. I think Trevor's mobility helps their line 
uh, you know, sometimes probably, mobility probably definitely covers up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would give them, I would give them some nods there. What else or who else on defense stood out to you? Or do you want to go to mini game ball? Um, I want to go to mini game ball, okay. but um, I, I'm going to start with a disqualifier at mini game ball. And uh, I'm just going to give the Jonathan Allen play love that I've seen called as Superman. Yes. Where, where he leaped over the, uh, the blocking running back and, uh, and, and, and took down uh, Trevor Knight. Uh, that was just a hell of a play. And then he comes back and, you know, he makes the big fumble recovery and uses his agility to, to keep from being tackled by Knight. You know, obviously he's not a mini game ball, but um, seniors, you know, senior leaders make plays. And uh, he stepped up and made some huge plays that we didn't touch about on the defensive side of the ball. No, and so. you know, and Ruben got twelve tackles, and and you know he had a he had a great day. But but Jonathan Allen just had a, a really good day. And those two, and that's not all he did, but those two big plays really jump out. That Superman sack, and then you know it, one one of the moments where you think just the stadium just is as loud as it's going to be today is uh is when he returned that um you know that fumble for a touchdown that was a really exciting you know moment during the game and really got the fans uh involved and so yeah hats off to Jonathan Allen no absolutely and the other um the other the other play that um you know the other play that that I think that um from a from a standpoint of of, of many game balls um you know it, it has to probably be um, just because he doesn't get enough love, um, and I know you're going to call this a disqualifier as well, but I don't care, uh, is Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, you know, the announcers even gave him some love when, when I watched the tape uh, after we watched it live. Um, just, just what this guy is doing inside um, uh, for the middle of this defense, given the lack of depth, um, just want to give a little love to, to Mr. Tomlinson. Is he your mini game ball? Yes. Okay. Well, even though you don't call him that, but that's all good. No, no, no. Dalvin Tomlinson is. Uh, I've I've given him a mini game ball once before the season, and he's a two time recipient this week. Uh, if you could see my notes, I've got him right here. His name circled. He had the quietest stat sheet stuffer day that that you could ever see. He had three tackles. He had a sack, a forced fumble, a pass breakup, and and you can't find a headline stating you know, heralding uh, Tomlinson anywhere because, you know, it's it's all about every other folks. And, and for good reason, you know, the other folks. But goodness gracious, this guy needs some needs some shout-out. And if he gets too many game balls today for it, then, hey, good for him. Well, hey, let's talk, let's talk some special teams, man. You and I had some great stuff lined up for the, uh, for the podcast, and it got kind of screwed up a little bit, didn't it? Well, a little bit, but let's, let's talk about it. I mean, they backed us up. Uh, with with a punt, they backed us up, you know, right in the the you know what the one or two the one yard line, yeah. And um, and uh, you probably remember the breakdown a little bit better than than I do. But they, you know, in a field position game, they had us backed up, and uh, and so we punted and uh, punted and then got a penalty. And so the you know when they think of we're going to get the ball at the fifty and. And, uh, and, and, you know, win the field position battle, you know, we really flipped the field on them. They, uh, they had a the ball on, I don't know, what is it? The 30, I think we sacked them 
And when they punted, we ended up with the ball on the four, you know, about the 40 yard line. And so in an exchange of punts, think about this when you just say it out loud in an exchange of punts in, in, in dueling three and outs, we gained 40 yards. On, t- on two three and outs. Yes. One for each team. Yes. yes. On, on dueling three and outs, yeah. we gained 40 yards because of, uh, a, you know, I, I would call it maybe a superior punting game, uh, a misfortunate uh, pun, uh, a penalty on their side. And I think uh, I think maybe there was a sack or a tackle for a loss. But, you know, whatever it is, they all, all kind of conspired to, you know, uh, a 40 yard, uh, a 40 yard gain. Uh, for the Alabama offense, and that that was pretty impressive. I think I think it sort of unraveled because because we were talking about it. Isn't it kind of neat watching this happen? And we thought, man, if we score a touchdown, then there's a connective tissue here that you could really sort of re you know weave something together on. And I think we proceeded to you know throw an interception, so it wasn't nearly as sort of exciting as as as, as it could have been. But but you think about you know that's that's and how many times we've kind of talked about you know, smart football, make the smart football decision. And over time, it'll add up. And that's Saban's process. Do the little things and they add up. Well, if you can out net the punting game that way, then it may not benefit you this time, but it'll benefit you the next three times. No, absolutely. Well, well, talk to me a little bit about Adam Griffith. Um, You know, (laughs) Once again, you can make a 32-yarder and you can make a 28-yarder, but you miss a 29-yarder. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at what point does it sound like we're piling on? And, and, and you know, whatever that point is, I want to stop well short of it because, you know, because that's not what, I, what we want to do. But it just seems like every week the update is, yep, this is kind of what we talked about. Uh, we're just pointing going, out special teams. He's, we're not. He's going to make some. On him. We're just pointing out special teams. No, I understand, but you know, it just, you know, some some things are very singular in nature, and and you know, putting the ball through the uprights is, you know, unless it's blocked or something, it's you know, or a bad snap. But uh, um, you know, it, it kind of it is what it is. I mean, he he made two makeable kicks, and and then he missed a makeable kick, and so you think it'd be really nice if, if he would have gone three for three and then, and there was a penalty, so it wouldn't have counted, but he did miss that 52 yarder and he, and it just sort of doinked off the, off the bar. Uh, it would have been really nice. And I know this is reaching just a little bit, but it's not outside the realm of reason that he could have been four, four for four, including a 52 yarder. And, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd want to hunt him down to buy him a drink. Well, what do you what do you think? We we touched on this a little bit with the offense a second ago, but what do you what do you think was up with the fact that we were going to line up after the false start at the end of the half at their forty yard line in a in a field goal formation, and then we were going to try a fake on first and fifteen at the forty of theirs with five seconds left. I think we were trying to draw them off sides, and and. And, you know, and I don't know that we wouldn't have called the timeout. They astutely did call a timeout, you know, because we came out and did that. And it is Cooper Bateman. You know, there is a quarterback there, uh, you know, a legitimate, you know, quarterback that, that uh, you know, could put us into a play. So I think, I think they astutely said, nope, we're going to call timeout. We're not going to let you do that. We can't take these timeouts into half anyways. So we're just going to burn it. And I think we probably were thinking that we're either going to, 
and, and I think that we would have been okay with either. I think we said we're either going to quick strike on this or the motion will draw them off, and then we'll go back and try again to kick the 52-yarder. Well, they called a timeout, and so, okay, the two things that we were going to try to get them with, we weren't able, able to get them with, so we just put the offense back out there. And then Jalen threw, you know, an interception, which I hate that he gets tagged with that one because he was just heaving it up. That is, you know, that's not so much a knock on him, but, you know, that's how they count the stats. So it just kind of is what it is. But uh, I, it was – it was the whole thing was kind of sloppy, and we talked about it earlier. I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to dress it up in anything more than it is. It was kind of sloppy, and so it was kind of sloppy. Well, hey, um, let's talk about Mac Wilson for a second because um, I, I don't – I, I want to be clear here and, um, you know, with, with these guys who are aiming too high with their – you know, they're not getting down low like we were taught to, to tackle um, consistently. And um, just like the Texas A&M guy that got through out of the game, um, I like the aggressiveness of Mac Wilson. I agree it shouldn't have been called because it was not a defenseless player. But had he just broke down a little bit and bent his knees and put that helmet into the numbers, it would have been just as impactful, just as wow, and it wouldn't have been questionable. And so while I love the the two big plays on kickoffs, um, on that one play, I wish he would have just tagged him in the numbers. Just a little bit. That's, you know, when you're running down there full speed, his first – the first one was just – I mean, the whole stadium just like pause and just like, wow, because that was just quite just, I mean, that was almost just earth. I mean, that was a level of violence and they, they showed it on the replay and, and it was just kind of a funny thing, but they showed it on, on the replay and, uh, and you were, you know, Luke was there and, and I just put my, I just put my hand over his eyes like, son, I'm not sure you're supposed to see this. <laughs> it's just a level of violence was just, it was just so surreal that uh, – and I get that, that it's sort of the nature of the game, but that was sort of a level of above. What he did was just like, wow. Uh, and, and so it was good to see him laying some wood. And and uh, and I read an article and I thought, well, yeah, I guess somebody's going to have to write this article. Uh, I don't like seeing these because, you know, we kind of know what the depth is and and uh, where, where we're deep and where we're not. But people look at it maybe differently than we do. And so – uh, somebody said, well, you know, Mac did, did what he did and, and guess what? He, he can't, you know, he's in the three deep at, uh, at, an, at a linebacker position. And I think, well, yeah, but he's also kind of a true freshman. And so I get people wanting to say that. I, and I guess it's true. I just don't like, I don't like the innuendo there, but you know, I guess it's true. He's a five-star wood layer that's on the third on the third team. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That goes back to the days of, you know, Drake or Patrick and, you know, DJ Fluker and Trent Richardson sitting on the sideline. Yeah. You know, that 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 just happens at the University of Alabama. It does. Uh, it does. Hey, what do you want to say on special teams about uh, Dakota Ball and his 13-yard kickoff return? You know, that was just a heads-up play from the kid. You know, to his credit, he's doing something I didn't do. He's playing on Saturdays. You know, he's making plays when he gets opportunities. And um, I think it was a good heads-up play. He 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 clearly was trying uh, to get as many yards after the catch as he could. He, he, he was. was he, re- he returned it for 13 at about, at about 8. I said, go down, go down. 
I, I, I enjoy his heart. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. Uh, and, absolutely. and, 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 and I was concerned that he would fumble. <laughs> but I, but I definitely enjoyed his heart on the play. Both, both can be true. No, no, abs, no, absolutely, man. Well, um, anything else on special teams? No, I, you know, I know it's a, I know it's a, you know, fortunately the bye week, and we need to take care of business during the bye week, and and uh, that's a very critical thing. If if we were to sort of try to look out over the horizon, any thoughts on the LSU game, or is it too early? You know, it's probably never too early really to talk about LSU, but, you know, it's just what what team are you going to see? You know, I, I, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, preparation for this team, for, for these LSU Tigers, because, you know, under the, the new coaching change, um, we see a lot of the old LSU and um, the, the philosophy of, of what brought them to the dance. Um, they're, they're still playing with the fullback. They're still playing with a tight end. They're still playing two wide receivers in their base formation, and they're still running the ball a hell of a lot. And so, um, you know, while the while things were potentially going to change for this team, I think how we prepare for them um, is probably going to be similar to to teams of old. Yeah, it's hard not to see what Fournette did, and and then want to build your offense around that. At one point, they showed a stat that, you know, last week against uh, Ole Miss, at one point they showed a stat. And I, I won't get the number just right, but it'll be directionally close enough to, to say, wow. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette had rushed for 174 yards, and the rest of the LSU offense had accounted for four yards. <laughs> and, wow. And, and you think, well, you know, of course Les Miles is going to run – Fournette a lot in that in that type of situation and you know maybe maybe the misfortune the largest misfortune is that to start the season Fournette was dinged up and so now that he's had you know two and three weeks to sort of rest and recuperate you know they've got fresh batteries in their wind-up toy and and um and and he just blistered Ole Miss for something serious and so that's something that you know we're going to need to be prepared to uh to contend with and then they've got the the Etling kid at, uh, at the quarterback who, you know, I think gives them a little bit more than than uh, than the other um, was it Brandon uh, Jacob uh, than than he did. So, um, you know, we got a little bit of time uh, to think about that one, but you know, it's you know it's one of those games a couple of weeks ago I wasn't that worried about, but now that it's next uh, and and we're playing at their place, it's something that we've got to take pretty serious. I think if our team can can uh, make the best use of this this week off and then go down there with their with their minds right and not need a quarter to get their mind right but go down there from kick with their mind right and maybe being on the road will help them do that then um, you know that's going to be an exciting game well I, while the team is going to be weary after the stretch run they just had um, <clears throat> the fact that LSU was able the fact that the final score of LSU Ole Miss was 38 21 is definitely going to allow the coaches with LSU having a bye week as well to um, players are not going to be able to take their focus off of LSU after they see how they just handled Ole Miss. Right. No, watching, yeah, you know, watching, uh, watching what they did to Ole Miss is certainly going to be a wake up call. And, and um, you put some of those runs on loop, that'll, that'll definitely get the, the defense's uh, attention. No, absolutely, man. Well, this I've, I've enjoyed it, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the bye week for the team, but um, 
uh, we Tiger Stadium will be here soon enough. Absolutely. I agree. Hey, I want to call out. Uh, we had another listener leave us a, a review on iTunes and man, we so much appreciate it. And so we just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Crimson 315. Uh, read a little bit here. I'm an uh, I'm a Crimson Tide fan living in Syracuse, New York. Uh, not much uh, Bama talk up here, so I uh, turn to these guys. Uh, the podca- podcast goes deep Alabama football. I learned so much from them. They cover uh, other, they cover stuff other outlets uh, do not keep up the work and roll tide. And I'd say, man, God bless you, Syracuse, New York. It's probably already got a foot of snow up there. So <laughs> glad we, glad we can help talk some football and uh, maybe warm warm things up as we get into the cold season. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.